Hello, and welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today, we have a very special guest with us um, who is very well known in the franchise industry and in the business world in general, and his name is Peter Taunton. Welcome, Peter. Hey, Stacey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, uh, just to give a little background on you, um, gosh, there's really no one better than you to give a background, but I'll just hit some of the highlights. So you founded Lift Brands, which is one of the largest wellness brands in the world with over 6,000 franchises or licensees spanning across three brands in 28 countries. Wow. That's pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah, that, that's a mouthful, right? It's, it, <laughs> it really you know, is. I've been, I've been in franchising, Stacy for over 20 years, and um, I've had the opportunity to work with some great people. I mean, obviously, you don't build great brands and worldly brands without amazing people. So I've had the good fortune of, of that. Of, you know, my journey has been wonderful and more than anyone ever could have expected, but I could not have done it, and I can't continue to do it without great people. That is absolutely true. I mean, that's really the key to any successful business. So um, you also uh, have been named Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year in your past and are currently a Forbes Master Class Instructor at the Forbes School of Business. How do you make time for all of this? Well, you know what? I, I do. I only... I only do things that I'm passionate about right now. And I'm so blessed to be able to have those kind of choices, but nothing lights my fire more than, than, than working with ambitious people, um, young or old, it doesn't matter. And um, people that want to carve out a better life for themselves or people that want to live the entrepreneurial dream of being their own boss and, and, you know, working their way towards financial freedom. I love helping people kind of square their shoulders off a little bit, clean the deck off a little bit from some of the minutia and brain fog that can, that can, that can work its way into the strategy and, and just kind of square their shoulders up and get them pointed in the right direction. I love doing that. And then I keep in touch with a lot of my clients, even though I tell them, Hey, look, I think my work is done here. I don't need to many of my clients. I don't, they don't, they don't come and see me, you know, month after month after month after month. I say, look, I'm going to get you squared off in the right direction because I'm, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing it because I enjoy helping people. And I'll tell them, look, I think you've got it from here. Now, if you want to come back in three, four months or six months, give me a call. We'll set up another session for you. But you, I don't need to charge you. You've got this. You know what I mean? I try to get, get them in the right mindset, make sure the fundamentals are all in place, and then let them charge. Well, you truly are a visionary, and currently, um, one of your passion projects is a emerging franchise brand called Nautical Bowls, and I was fortunate enough to have you on for an earlier episode, which we focused and featured Nautical Bowls. Um, that's a brand that certainly I, I know is near and dear to your heart. You're a co-owner of that brand, partnering with a young couple in the Minnesota area in the past. And now you're well over 100 locations awarded today. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's been, and you know what, it's for, for me, that that's one other thing that I kind of look for. I look for brands that I think could be emerging where I think they've 
I think they have a product that resonates with what the consumer is looking for. The relevance is there. And when I find those things, then the other part of it, uh, Stacy, is the people that I'm working with, they've got to be coachable. And that's one thing I really appreciate about Bryant and Rachel. Uh, they, they're very coachable. You know, my deal when I get involved with brands to the level that I am with nautical balls, I say, look, I know exactly what I need to do here. And, um, it's either going to be it's either because I'm, I'm equal partners with them and I'm, I'm very honest with them. I say, look, this is either going to be a great deal for you or it's going to suck. Right. Which is very fair, a very fair assessment. And you got to trust me because the only way I do this is I run the company. I, I call the shots and, uh, you know, they made the right bet. So I hear we we've been at this a year and a half and we're all over 140 locations. Um, we've got, we have 28 open another 20 under construction. We're opening three to five stores a week right now, but we're going to build this into an amazing brand. That's, that was, that was my intent from the start. And it's because the reason it, the reason we are going to build it into an amazing brand is because the product is relevant and you can check all the boxes. And I'm a really tough critic on those things. If people want to create a brand, and grow it quickly, there's so many components that need to come into play. Number one is how much capital is needed to start the business. Because the more cash you need to get into the business, the narrower the gap is for people who can qualify, right? So I try to make a business that's affordable. I try to make a business that's very simple to operate because if it's too technical, then the, the, the learning curve gets shorter, right? And your audience gets narrower. So I like to bring products to the market that appeal to the masses, not only the deliverable to the consumer, but to that aspiring entrepreneur. So I play on both sides of it for the aspiring entrepreneur. I want to give them something that they can step right into, into not too technical, relevant, easy to operate, not a lot of employees. So like I said, I've been at this for so long. I know just what to look for. Well, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> you definitely have a gift. I mean, you've built uh, an empire in essence. So on that note, and talking about aspiring entrepreneurs, recently, and what really uh, sparked this discussion and for me to reach out to you specifically is a article I read in Entrepreneur Magazine uh, here over the holidays. And it was really focused on, I think the gist of the article was getting rich in franchising. So that aside, um, it really was focused on multi-unit ownership. So that's really where I want to center our discussion and focus today. Uh, when I am working with a client and they are an aspiring entrepreneur, um, at some point in the process, as they progress, they are faced with a decision of, do I invest in a single location or do I go all in and take advantage of the cost savings by signing up for multi-unit ownership today and agree into a development schedule to open those? So it can be multi-unit with brick and mortar, or it could be multi-territory with home-based businesses. Um, what this article said, Peter, was when somebody decides to invest in a single location or territory, they're really just buying themselves a job. It's when they 
decide to go all in and invest in multi-unit ownership, that that's really the stepping stones to building an empire. What, what is your perspective on that? Well, it's true. I mean, when people come to me and say, Peter, I'm going to be a multi-unit owner, I, t- I tell them that's fantastic to have ambition like that. But we're going to start with one because you have to start somewhere. So we're going to start with one. And and I like to be I don't want to be the person that throws a wet blanket on people's ideas and dreams. But I let them know, look, we're going to do one. We're going to do it right. It's going to you're going to run it right. And then from there, we're going to help you put the pieces, the systems and processes in place to be a multi-unit owner, that you're going to have the right leadership because you can't be 10 places at once. I mean, you 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 hear it probably as often as I do. Hey, Peter, I'm going to own 10 of these things. If they, if they have very little experience in the space that we're talking about, then you've got to go hire the talent. Because look, getting into franchising, if you have a good franchise, they're going to give you the, the secret sauce. They're going to give you what you need to have to be successful, but you still have to have the human capital. The business is not going to run itself. So I'm always, I always caution to the side of being conservative with people and saying, look, it's not a race. If you want to be a multi-unit owner, great. Let's start by defining, you know, how many locations you'd like to have and let's protect those areas. And so they buy the dots. So they've got the dots reserved. So they don't have to worry about somebody coming and taking the territory. But the more important side is how much, how much working capital do you have? Because the more cash you have to put into this, the faster we can ramp it up in, in human capital and all the things that you need to do. So there's really a lot to think about. And, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, they, they don't lack enthusiasm, but they lack the process of how to build a successful brand within a brand. Okay. And take nautical bulls. I've got some guys that came in. One guy bought seven, the other guy bought 10 locations and we're putting together a strategy. They've got experience in other franchise concepts that gave me confidence. They've got leadership within their system already that they can easily migrate into our brand. That's going to be an easy fit for them. This is so that's, that's what I look for. And if they don't have those pieces, I help them find the people to, to so, so they have a better chance of success. So what I'm hearing you say is, yes, multi-unit ownership is a great path to uh, building an empire, but taking your time and getting uh, the first location up and running and then migrating to the additional locations that you've secured um, via your development schedule and your franchise agreement is the way to go. Absolutely. And and going into these things with your eyes wide open, uh, you know, being a multi-unit owner, obviously it's going to have more capital constraints. You're going to need to have more, more cash available. You need to qualify for that financially. I mean, when people say, hey, Peter, I want to own five of these, I go straight to their financials. Okay. I go straight to their financials and then I say, all right, well, I can see that you can easily finance two, maybe three of these at a stretch. Where's five come from? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for those with the cash that they generate. I love the optimism. Okay. I love the optimism, but you got to understand when you're, when you're signing up for five and you buy five dots on a map and you're tied to a development schedule, 
it's it's you it's it's not my responsibility to make sure that you financially qualify for store number four and store number five you better have a plan b look i'm once again my background i go at these things very conservatively because you've got to be able to live what if the stores are break even what if one of the stores you've got to financially feed it all right you didn't plan for that but you got to have the big picture some stores start slower than others and and look that that's just the reality i don't care what businesses it is but i always tell people don't set yourself up to fail don't make the bet on on winning the game with a hail mary you may win a game here and there with a hail mary but don't bet your career don't bet the farm on a hail mary and i don't care what it is and i see it happen you wouldn't believe the amount of people that i work with that i consult for and they're financially stretched why are they financially could they over levered themselves on the pie in the sky whatever concept they were buying they thought this is this is a no-brainer can't lose look we've all we've seen it that's why i always err to the side of being conservative if you've got a lot of free cash flow i mean i love it i love nothing more when i'm selling nautical bowls franchises somebody comes they buy a single their store's been open for three months they're doing two three thousand dollars a day and they come back and they buy another one i love that okay now what have they done they've proven to themselves that number one they know how to run a store two the relevance of the product it's making money and they want to double down i love that all day long okay so what do you look for so going i agree wholeheartedly going into a business investment undercapitalized is setting yourself up for failure from the get-go so what do you look for from a capital standpoint? Like how much cushion? What are those things that you're looking for to validate that somebody is in the right position to enter into multi-unit ownership agreement? Well, every every concept's a little bit different, mm-hmm. okay? Everyone's a little bit different and everyone has a little bit more financial needs. Some of them require a lot of operating cash every month just to keep the doors open. So um, those ones are a little bit riskier, but as a, as a rule of thumb for me, if I'm getting into a business, I'm looking at it saying, do I have the ability, if I, if I had zero revenue, zero revenue, how much dry powder do I have on the sideline? How much cash do I have on the sideline to keep the lights on and keep the business pressing forward? I mean, to me, if I don't have at least six months of cash on the sideline for it, then, then I'm going to, I'm going to look at it. Now, the reality of it is, of course, you get into a franchise concept, you're not going to have zero revenue. But let's say that your store is performing 50% of the of, of what it's supposed to. All right, 50%. That means that I've got 12 months of surplus cash on the sidelines. All right. I've got to have cash on the sidelines so I can pivot, so I can put more marketing dollars into it, discount, do whatever I need to do to get people in the door to experience my product. You know, what 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 is worrisome is when you're in a concept and the you're bringing people to the doors and the people are not coming back because now the product is not as relevant as you thought it was. Okay, with nautical bowls, I'm just gonna use that as an example. The, we give away free bowls, okay? If I wanna go earn a customer, our dinghy bowl is $3, all right? It's $3, that, that's our food cost on that bowl. So. I will give those out by the thousands. All right. Let's say I give out a thousand bowls. My cost of customer acquisition is $3, which is a great price. Okay. But the reality of it is 
the, a large percentage of those people come back. And as soon as they come back and buy their second bowl, I, I'm playing with house money. Okay. So that's the best way for me to grow my business is just that hand-to-hand combat guerrilla marketing in the field, getting people to come back. Now it would be a different narrative altogether, Stacy, if I was giving away free bowls and the people were not coming back because we track all of that stuff. They become loyalty customers. We track it. And and that's one of the things that that's important. If you want to win in business, you've got to have the analytical data points so you can assess what exactly is going on in the field. I don't care if it's acai bowls or fitness or pick it doesn't matter. You've got to have analytical data that you can look at because inside that data is where the truth lies. And it doesn't matter if I have one store or 15 stores, it's, you know, the product has to be relevant. I've got to have the systems processes, people in place in order to, to accelerate my trajectory. So many investors today are looking for investments, say semi-passive ownership. Um, they're wanting to stay perhaps in the corporate world or diversify their portfolios. What would you say um, from a semi-passive standpoint, what would you say um, are the critical attributes um, for an investor to have to be successful in that type of ownership model? Well, look, if you're going to be a semi-absentee owner, there it's there's not many businesses out there unless it's a laundromat where you go in once a day and empty the empty the machines and go back to fishing and golfing, right? It just 90% with nautical bulls, 90% of our franchisees are semi-absentee owners. All right. That's because it's a very simple business. I always say it's a lemonade stand on steroids, right? Mm-hmm. It's got one manager, 15 part-time employees, not a lot of complexity to it. We have 10 signature bowls. We're not trying to be everything to everyone. Many of our competitors, they try to sell bowls, smoothies, salads, sandwiches. We're not, we're, we don't play that game. We sell acai bowls and we do it better than anyone else. So first and foremost, if you're a, if you aspire to be a multi-unit owner and you aspire to be semi-absentee, you better make sure that the, that the business you're getting into is fairly simple, or you've got a, a stable of great talent that is going to run that business for you. Cause I don't care what anyone says, businesses don't run themselves. Someone's got to be in the store. Someone's got to be at the helm making the critical critical decisions on behalf of the company. And you know, so many people in today's day and age, they get hoodwinked into thinking, oh, these things are so this, that I I tell people just the otherwise, hey, look, yes, 90% of our franchisees are semi-absentee owners. That's true. But you should expect that the first 60 to 90 days, you're going to be involved in this business. You are going to be on it. I always tell people, never let the inmates run the asylum. Okay. (laughs) We, we require as a, as a, an owner, that I don't care if you come in and buy 10 units from us, you have to go through training on the first store as an owner. I don't care if you're never going to make a bowl, you have to come and go through training because I don't want the owner being exposed to not knowing, having the manager of the store know more than he does. To me, that, that, that exposes you to all kinds of things that could, that could go wrong. So I'm a big fan of, we're going to teach you how to run the business. We go through one week of nautical bulls university. We're going to make you an expert. And then more importantly, we have a dashboard that you can monitor. So multi-unit owners, you better make sure that the 
analytical data that's readily available for you is that you understand it, you know where to access it, that your franchisor has a dashboard where you can easily pull the information. And then more importantly, Stacy, you got to know how to analyze the data. Because if you're, if you're getting the analytics and you don't know how to read it and you don't know what, what it means, you're, you're gonna, then it's, it's useless to you, right? Yeah, Food costs, labor costs, all those things. Where are my customers coming from? Where are they migrating from? I mean, today, the analytical data out there, it's so amazing. I mean, believe it or not, if, you, if, if I'm next to a Costco, as an example, I could tell you if a customer comes from Costco and then walks into my store. Okay, that analytical data is out there. Why is that important to me? Because I want to know how many how many of my customers are coming from Starbucks, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Costco, the grocery store next door. Because I want to do if 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 I know that my customers are coming from there, I'm going to approach them and say, look, let's do some joint marketing together because our customers are like minded. Your customers like my product, which means my customers like your product. So let's do some joint marketing together. Sometimes one plus one can equal three if you're willing to put the work into it. It's amazing what technology can do today. But yeah, understanding your customer's profile, I mean, that just all around helps you better target and market to the individuals that you want to appeal to. So uh, I do want to touch on passion. Because I work with a lot of individuals. And last week, actually, I spoke to an individual who is already an investor in two different franchise concepts. Uh, Both of them, actually, both of his businesses are outside of his home state. And uh, he is really just focused on ROI. Um, He does not need, he does not feel he needs to be passionate about the industry. What is your perspective on that? I mean, this is, again, along the lines of semi-absentee, semi-passive ownership. How important is passion about the product or offering in your mindset? In some contexts, I agree with what he's saying. Hey, look, I, I you know, people hear me say this all the time. If it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Okay, so I'm involved in other businesses that I'm not passionate about, but they yield a high return. There you go. I have no intention of running the business. I got into it purely as an investment. That's a different element now, I would tell you, if it's your first experience in getting into business for yourself, bar none, be passionate about it because it's never as easy as it looks and you're going to have some long days. And if you're not passionate about what you do, you're going to be miserable. OK, so um, but so so to, to answer your question, Stacy, look, you can d- diversification, not being passionate about some more passionate than others. Great. I'll tell you the other side of it too. If you're overly passionate about something, sometimes you can have the blinders on. I mean, there's many times I've consulted with people and they're completely passionate about what they're in. And I got to tell them, Hey, look, you got to pull the shoot on this thing. It's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And, and look, I hate to be the one to shoot, to, 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 to throw the wet blanket on your dream here, but I'm just going to tell you real, your sales are on a decline. Your sales are on a decline because your product is no longer relevant and the cost it's going to take you to pivot and work your way back into a more relevant product. The costs associated with doing that, not only with capital, 
But human capital, I'm telling you, if it's me, and that's what you pay me for, you pay me to give you advice. If it's me, I'm telling you, two to one, you're gonna you're gonna save two to one by just pulling the shoot on this thing. Now, here's the difficult part. You look at you look at this, and if you're if you pull the plug on this business, you're gonna consider yourself a failure. Well, I've never failed at anything, Peter. I said, okay. Well, you have. And we all have. And don't let hubris get in the way or ego or pride get in the way of making good business decisions. So pull the shoot on this. So passion, it can be great to get you to go to work early and stay up late. I love that. But passion can also keep you in the game so long that you become blind to what is going on around you. And, and you're just on this spiral and you and you just can't see it because you're so close to it. I feel like you're speaking directly to me with my first business, which was <laughs> in the fitness industry, uh, something I was so, so passionate about, put my heart and soul into, poured a lot of money into, and at the end of the day, it just, it wasn't, it, the business model just wasn't working. Right. Um, but I tell you, it was the best experience of lessons learned and made me that much stronger. So I think that's very important. I think that, you know, we see a lot of quotes out in the industry and I can't, I, not one's really coming to mind right now about, you know, falling down and getting back up. Um, that's what makes you stronger. So I, I was completely resonating and thinking back to about 20, the years 2014 to 2019 for me. Yeah. Um, okay. um, you know what, Stacey, too, on that, you know, you're exactly right. There are so many, you know, cliches out there. You know, it's not how hard you get hit. It's, you know, how, you know, can you, you get back up or something to that effect? Look, here's the reality. I mean, getting up is one thing. OK, you're tough. You get up. You've been pistol whipped. I get it. But you got to take a step back and you've got to look and say, what did I learn? Mm -hmm. Because if you're just tough and you can continue to take one off the forehead every time you get into business. And I see this a lot. Consistent failures of doing consistently the wrong thing. And it's and it's in its mindset. It's they're not they're not they're not mentally there. They're not financially there. Their people skills are not there. They can't lead people. All of these things, I mean, you can't run a company in a vacuum by yourself. You just can't do it, okay? Unless you're going to have some small little single entrepreneurial garage business doing being a, a, you know, a small shop mechanic, you do you, okay? But the people that I'm dealing with, they're, they're going in, they're, they aspire to have multiple locations. They start with one and they just continue to fail and fail because they don't, they refuse to learn what's going on. And in some cases, I tell them, hey, look, you're never going to get people to walk on fire for you because you're 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 just your demeanor is condescending, and and some people look, you know. Sometimes I can be a little brash. I'm a bit of a cowboy sometimes, but I think people pay me for my honesty. I say, look, you know what? You're you're damn hard to work with. All right, especially when I'm dealing with companies that have been around for a while and they just seem to be doing the same thing. Just this. You've got this complacency. Nobody's really leaning in. Nobody's leading a charge. You got, you know, turmoil amongst the natives, amongst the, the, the employees. It's just there's it takes so much work and effort to correct those things. It can be done, but it starts at the top. 
Okay. Great leadership starts at the top. It's contagious. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I can just see your passion coming through and through. I love it. Um, on the last note, Peter, uh, I want to talk about risk. And this is something that uh, every new aspiring entrepreneur is faced with at one time or another when making the decision to pull the trigger on an investment or not. What would your advice be to somebody that is at the finish line? Um, You know they have the capital to do it. You know they have the fire in their belly to do it, but they're just having difficulty signing on the dotted line. What type of advice do you give that person? Well, it, it starts, Stacy, with you know when you're a, when you're a, a child and you're and you're thinking. I know for me, I always thought you know how much money would I need to retire? Okay, and and that number always is always moving. But whatever that number looks at looks looks like for you, let's just say that it's ten ten million dollars. All right, it's a lot of money. Um, I get people all the time that they they've had some success. And they're looking at another company, another business, and they they are asking me about going all in. Okay, and I tell them, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't go all in. Here's the reality: you've made so right now. Your choices are: you can stay right where you're at, you can put your money to work for you, and you can live a comfortable life and never touch your money, never touch your principal. Okay, so. Am I saying that that's the path for you to go? No, I wouldn't do that either because what the hell fun is that? But swinging for the fence again, what I don't want to be doing, I don't want to be having this conversation with you four years from now and your 10 million is now three because the venture that you went into with people telling you that this is this great thing, this, that, and the other thing, and you've lost 70% of your net worth, now you're back to work. Now the choices have now left. So I like to prepare people for, look, Can you live with the downside? Quit chasing rainbows and unicorns, okay? Quit chasing that. It's okay to do it, but within reason, don't bet the farm to where you sink the ship. Don't do it for yourself. And more importantly, don't do it for your family. So let's let's think about how we can get into this business without over-guaranteeing everything. So I help them negotiate their contracts so so they have an exit if it's not working they have an exit. And there's too many times people don't plan for the exit. You got to put as much work into the downside as you do on the upside. And that's where people completely whiff. And and that breaks my heart because I know how hard it is to make money and betting it all and losing 80% of it, 70% of it, it's gut-wrenching for people. Some people, it ruins them. They can't get over it. Because the now you literally feel like starting over. So I always talk about calculated risk, Stacy. It's calculated risk. There's ways to get into things where you can con- control a large portion of the business. You, yes, you may not own 100% of the business, but that's okay. Because I love it if I can take somebody who has 10 million, get them into a business. They run that business for a few years. And suddenly now they've got something that's worth another 8 to 10 million, Right. Now they come back to me and they say, Peter, the 10 million that I had saved, now that's 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 doubled and I just got 10 million. And so they, now they're in a much different place. Now you're coming to me, you've got 20, 30 million, all right? 
Now you could play higher stakes poker. My fundamentals are still the same, but the cash, the percentage of cash of yours that's required for you to get into the opportunity is considerably less on the big picture of things. All right. So never bet the farm. Never bet the farm. And some people say, oh, Peter, you're crazy. I bet this and I bet that. I tell you what, there's more people that said I did it and lost my ass and they're back to work. Right. And that's the piece. I say, look, there's very calculated. There's great negotiating that takes place on the front end to limit your downside. One hundred percent. Well, and when we um, talk about the franchise model, that's where the validation stage comes in very critical um, to talk to other owners in the system to understand, you know, what the highs, the lows are, what the expectation should be, um, what the financial return on investment is, and so forth. So um, I know that some of your scenarios are inside the franchise world, some are out. Um, You know, on I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just deviate a little bit and ask uh, one other question then. Um, You talked about exit plans. So which um, I, I think is critically important. And some franchisors that I work with are excellent at working up front with candidates to share how they do work with Um, their franchisees over time to develop those exit plans. What, um, what should somebody, you know, investing in a franchise be looking for or towards as an exit plan? It it very, there's a number of variables. Is it a semi-absentee business? Are there multiple locations? Are, are the multiple locations, are they geographically in the same trade area? Like with nautical bowls as an example, and I and I hate to keep referencing nautical bowls, but nautical bowls you have a growth, you have a, a a young company that has an amazing growth trajectory today, and there's so much unbelievable white space out there. There's so much opportunity where you can go into a great market like Columbus and Dallas and Nashville and all these great places, and and it's all white space. Having the ability to go in and pick your locations, pick your dots in a market that's that's not yet pioneered is great because when it comes time to exit, if you've got five, six, eight locations in the same geographical area, you'll get a premium for that because why? Because there's so many efficiencies that come into place. I've got, I can use some of my same employees around the locations. My marketing dollars go farther. People will pay a premium for that rather than having one here, one three miles, three hours away. So those are all things that I look at, but for the exit too, some people say, hey, Peter, I just want to take some money off the table. There's many times I've helped people just recap, recap their business. Well, Peter, what do you mean recap? Well, let's go to a bank. You've got plenty of cash flow. Let's go get a loan for $2 million. Take that $2 million. The business will pay the $2 million off over the next, over the next four years. It'll pay it off. They're generating that kind of cash flow. Take that two million, put it to work for you somewhere, and now in four years, that two million is probably three point three, three point two million. You've got your your business, you paid off that debt, you can recap it again. I mean, rather than people thinking I'm just going to sell my company because I want some cash, there's so many different ways that you can structure deals that people don't think about. So you don't have to sell your business to get cash. 
Wow, you're a wealth of knowledge, and I feel like the next time I open my next business, I'm going to be reaching out to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'd be happy, happy to help you. I mean, these are the kind of conversations that I have every day. I mean, I'm, I've got a conversation later today with the with the, with a company they want to launch a tequila brand, right? And it's just you know there there's in the, I've been in business for 35 years, and I've seen so many different things, and I've had so many unique journeys. Many of them where I've had a front row seat, I've actually been in the thick of it. So I see the cause and effect of what decisions are made and how that can, how that affect what would it enhance my position or it hurt my position. That's why I've, I've always been, look, failing, no big deal, but just learn from them. Okay. Learn from it. Simple absolutely, as that. Absolutely. Well, Peter, it has been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much. I know how valuable your time is. Um, if anybody is interested in learning more about franchise ownership, please feel free to reach out to me at Stacy at FusionFranchising.com. And Peter, if anyone out there is interested in learning more about uh, your business consulting services, how can you be reached? Yeah, you know what? Just follow me on Instagram. That's and I, I give a lot of nuggets of business experience and and mindsets in that. It's uh, and it's just. Peter underscore Taunton, T-A-U-N-T-O-N. That's my Instagram handle. That, that's how you can get a hold of me. And, um, you know, I love helping people. I'm, you know, I'm extremely busy, but I'll always give people some time. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Peter. And I'll look forward to the next time we touch base. I look forward to it. Thanks, Stacey. Have a blessed day. Thanks. You too. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye.